DDoS attacks against U.S. financial institutions continue, with the latest attack hitting Capital One on October 16th, the second attack against the bank. So what have we learned about these attacks? And what is the industry coming up with where unique insights that could help institutions prevent their sites from being taken down are concerned? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Mike Smith, a web security evangelist with Akamai Technologies who focuses on DDoS attacks. Mike, Akamai has reviewed a number of these denial-of-service attacks, analyzing traffic patterns and pinpointing attack variations. What can you tell us about the attacks that you've reviewed? We've received some of these attacks on behalf of our customers. It looks like, for the most part, they're fairly large, right? So we're, we're seeing about 65 gigabits per second per attack, um, which is interesting. Also something that's interesting to us is the fact that the attackers are using compromised servers simply because they have more bandwidth. So what I'm looking at these particular set of attacks is that they're primarily against financial institutions. There were a couple technology companies that got hit early on prior to the 18th. And it looks like the attackers are using you know, multiple techniques. They'll vary the technique that they're using to see what they can, can be effective with. But for the most part, it's, it's a very, very intense campaign a shorter duration, and then they're on to the next target. So beyond what you've already noted, what would you say is unique about these attacks? So usually when you do a denial-of-service attack or distributed denial-of-service attack, the common technique is to use multiple desktop computers running some kind of malware. So you take control of these computers, usually by email, some kind of spam techniques or phishing techniques, to get a piece of malware on top of those desktops. Well, the attackers now have changed their techniques to target servers simply because of the, the larger amount of bandwidth. And so what that means is that their command and control is, is drastically simplified. And whenever a node is attrited from their botnet, so for instance, a hosting provider that cleans up that particular node that's been compromised, they can go in and rapidly replenish their attacking nodes as they're taken down. This gives the attackers greater flexibility. And at the same time, because they have a smaller number of attacking nodes, they can retarget or change techniques fairly rapidly, where if you have, say, 30,000 home computers hooked up in a botnet, there's a little bit of a curve. You can actually see as they retarget, there's a transition period where the individual computers will roll off the old target and start rolling onto the new target. And what perspective, Mike, can you offer personally about these attacks? What seems to be standing out to you? Last year, there was a campaign that was interesting where it was a group of fraudsters and they were using Zeus in combination with DDoS attacks. You can see where there was an increase in DDoS activity against banks and account takeover of small to medium-sized business online banking accounts using Zeus. So what the attackers would do is they would take over desktop computers, they would transfer money out of that account for the small business, they could usually get you know, 100000 to $200,000, uh, maybe a little bit more, and then they would DDoS the bank to slow down the bank's response. So that's interesting. That lasted from about November all the way through until March when there was a large raid in Pennsylvania and Illinois, and suddenly that attack traffic stopped. And then there was a quiet period. Now all of a sudden we have, on the 17th of September, a fraud alert from the financial services ISAC saying there's been an increase in bank employee account takeovers. And then on the 18th, the attack started. 
What about some of the messages that we've seen posted on Pastebend? Is there concern about copycats and messages that could be posted by anyone? So sure, that's always a problem with Pastebin in that anybody can go to Pastebin and post anonymously. So what you'll see is copycats, um, and I personally haven't seen any of those. I don't think it's a problem yet. But in the last message, the attackers, if the posting came from them, had some kind of weird mathematical equation and a personal message to Leon Panetta. There was another series of posts that we've seen that are various math equations. My gut instinct is to think that these are, are people just copycatting or um, making fun of the attackers and their strange math. But, you know, that's the problem. Anybody can go pay something on Pastebin. So when you receive a new message, you don't know if it is the attackers, or if it's somebody pretending to be the attackers, if it's somebody who wants to do the same kind of attacks as the attackers, and they have some other method to attack, it really just kind of diffuses what it is that you're looking at and in trying to fight these folks. Now, going back to the attacks that you mentioned that were occurring between November and March, do you think that there's some link between what we're seeing now and those attacks that were waged ultimately for account takeover? Link is an interesting word. Um, I think there's something in common there, but I think it's more along the lines of the same techniques or the same overall strategy is a good way to say it in that the attackers are using DDoS to slow down the financial services response to the real issue, which is the fraud. I think it's the same technique. However, looking at the capabilities of the attackers, the folks that were launching attacks last winter and the spring, they were fairly good at taking over desktops where the folks that are attacking now, they're looking at compromising these servers, and it's a different skill set. So if you're putting Zeus on desktops, you're the malware guys. You're good at negotiating Windows operating systems and the controls on Windows operating systems, where these folks, in order to conduct the attacks that they're doing, you have to be a reasonably okay web application security person who can go in and compromise web applications to stick your tools on there. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the CAP-1 attack. Why do you think that CAP-1 was hit for a second time? Assuming, as we have been, that the attackers are doing this for fraud, they're looking for targets that have money that they actually have a footprint on bank employees' desktops. So when you look at it from the attacker standpoint, you're looking at where can I get the maximum amount of return on my effort in dollars? And so what you're looking at is what institutions do I actually have the better footprint with those bank employees where if I attack them and run my fraud scam, I will actually get more money out of it. If you look at it, there's kind of a, a business cycle that, that the attackers will go through. They'll have, say, spear phishing, wait a couple of days, see which organizations they now have a bigger, better footprint in and what access they have, and then they'll decide who they want to attack. So what's interesting to me is that the attackers put up their message, but they didn't name any institutions like they have been. That leads me to believe that possibly they're going to keep people guessing because they want attention on all financial services institutions. Or it could be that they're focusing on a couple, but they're doing repeats, and so they don't want the organizations to use lessons that they've learned already from fighting these folks. The first attack is always the worst in that you're not expecting it. But follow-on and subsequent attacks, you at least have relationships with your service providers. You have the lessons learned inside of your organization between your operations folks, your security folks. You can actually execute on defending against Adidas because you've already done it in the past, say, three weeks. So do you think that these attacks are being waged to perpetrate fraud? 
And that's what the indicators tell me. You know, we saw this a year ago, and you almost never throw 65 gigabits of traffic at a financial services institute just to make your point. Because when you do that, you expose the nodes that you've compromised, or in this case, the servers that you've compromised. And so people will go clean those up. As an attacker, you will harvest points of presence in places save it up until you're ready to attack with the real attack, and then you'll throw that DDoS out there to delay the response. So I've heard people refer to this as a distraction, which is partially true. I think it's more of a delaying tactic. A distraction is, hey, don't notice that over there. I think of it as a delaying tactic, which is occupying the resources so that they don't have time to deal with the real threat. Now, Mike, based on what we've seen against Cap One, do you think we can expect to see other banks, such as Bank of America and Chase, that have already been targeted hit again? I think that's a fairly safe assumption, although since I'm not the attackers, I don't know necessarily 100% of what they're thinking. The attackers will go where they have a footprint and where there is money. So that indicates they'll probably go after additional organizations or they might completely vary things up if they feel that the organization has good enough defenses to actually defeat either one of the attacks, either the fraud or the DDoS. What would you say is the biggest mistake that most institutions make when it comes to DDoS detection and prevention? Well, I don't think anybody is making mistakes. A lot of folks are grabbing threat intelligence out there. So what's the size of the attacks? What techniques do people use? Even proactively monitoring things like pastebin, which activists use pastebin for messages, but the attackers are using pastebin for messages. So monitoring these things and knowing when an attack is coming is actually more valuable because most large financial services, in fact, I think all of them, they have relationships with DDoS protection service providers. But the problem is you don't keep those turned on all the time. What you do is you wait until you receive an attack or you have an indicator of an attack, and then you flip the traffic to a scrubbing service or a mitigation provider or something like that. You're a bank. When your website is down, it's a customer satisfaction issue. So your call center volume increases, your branch office visits increases, but there's not a direct monetary impact. There's a lot of annoyances. You might have a little bit of customer churn, but you know, primarily the money is in the bank and money is still safe. It's just that customer satisfaction goes down. So when you look at what's the actual impact of, say, a one-day DDoS on a bank, it's not a lot. Maybe some brand damage, but it's not a severe impact of the bank versus the fraud, which, according to the FSISAC alert, the fraudsters are getting 400000 to $900,000 per fraud incident. That's a significant impact. How likely is a large DDoS to occur? Fairly moderate to low impact, fairly moderate rate of occurrence. And so DDoS protection becomes a lower priority where you're willing to maybe take an outage for four hours. That's fairly acceptable, but you're not necessarily willing to take a hit for a million dollars in a fraud transaction. Now, you've talked about fraud and some of the other motivations that could be behind some of these attacks. What would you say, Mike, institution's biggest worry is going forward and what should they be focused on? I think what the attackers are doing is focusing on the operations teams, the security teams, and the fraud detection and mitigation teams because they have limited personnel resources. So when you hit these folks, you can only deal with so many crises at a time when it comes to something like 
well, do we kick the fraudsters out or do we detect the malware or do we restore service to our site? It's not a good situation to be in. There's this worry there that if there's an extended campaign and you get hit multiple times in, say, a week or multiple times in a month even, that it wears out your staff. And it's not like you can just turn around and say, I need another InfoSec person who's good at these things, and you can hire them, and then tomorrow they'll be effective in their job. There's lead time in there. The attackers are focusing on doing a denial of staff attack versus the actual IT piece that's going on. Where does technology and staff come into the fold? Um, There are three basic ways to mitigate a DDoS. One of those is appliances. You put them inside the data center. They look for patterns. They're really good at application-level attacks. So think of them as IDS or web application firewalls that have rule sets specific to denial of service. And they're really good at that. But they're inside the data center, so the pipes into the data center get saturated with packets, and then they can't even see the attack, so they can't help you. But they're really good for small attacks and subtle attacks. The service providers that offer mitigation services, so they're scrubbers, you take your traffic during an attack and route it through their scrubbing service, and they have lots of resources there. And then there's something like what we do, which is we operate a large distributed reverse web proxy where lots of attacks just get dropped at the door because they're not proxy safe. We don't push them back. So there are these three basic ways to do it. Almost always for large attacks, you need a service provider to help mitigate that. And so that's why folks go out. They have relationships with their ISPs, with the peer play scrubbing centers. I think there are a couple things that we could focus on. One is What's the minimum functionality of your site that you need to have operational? Maybe you need to give people a low size page instead of here's the full page with mashups and JavaScript and client-side controls and things like that. But push out that smaller page to the user so that they know that the website is up and operational. And serve that from someplace else. Don't serve it from inside of your infrastructure. So there's some things out there that are preparation as far as building relationships with service providers, having a failover to a smaller page that's hosted outside, focusing on what your core business is, and assuming that if the website is down, how are your customers going to get in touch with you? That's why it may be phone banking, So banking, calling in and and going through the phone tree to find out your account balance, things like that. It's kind of cute and antiquated now, but it still works if the website is down. So looking at things like that and taking more of a continuity of operations combined with customer satisfaction, how are you going to keep those two things going even though the website's down? And then before we wrap up, Mike, what additional thoughts or information would you like to share about the attacks that we've seen and those that we can expect to see? There was a point about five years ago when I talked to financial services institutions and we talk about denial of service. And almost always the answer was the attackers will never do a denial of service against us because they need us to be up so that they can attack us and actually steal things. I think that time has changed. I think the attackers have evolved. You know, Information security is always an arms race where you have maneuver followed by counter maneuver, followed by counter counter maneuver, and we just keep escalating our response to each other. And I think in this case, the attackers have actually accelerated their maneuvers into uh, doing DDoS. So I think it's become a very viable threat over, say, the past two years. Again, we've just heard from Mike Smith of Akamai Technologies. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.